Welcome to the Wanting It More podcast. I am your host, Janet Denton-Howes, and it's an absolute delight to have you here. I'm a marriage and intimacy educator, as well as a creator of the Wanting It More program, which has helped thousands of women who are married to men want and enjoy it more in the bedroom. You know, having low desire was something that I personally struggled with for years in my marriage, so I absolutely get it all. You are not alone. Just a heads up, I use all the words in this podcast, so if you've got little ears around or you're in public setting, you may want to pop in some earbuds. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Wanting It More podcast. I am Jana, and today I have a very interesting conversation for you. There is a gentleman that has been in my DMs a couple times on Instagram. And um, at first, you know, usually I'm a little bit, okay, that's cool. That's neat. Um, but this guy seemed to know what he was talking about and um, sent me some really great resources and we had some really good back and forths. And most recently, he sent me a message about um, his birthday and things that have changed in his relationship as a result of, of listening to some of my stuff. So I thought, will you come on? And so we he, he said, yes, can you believe it? So Thanks so much, Charles, for coming on and, and having the courage to talk about your sex life, which is really hard. Um, why don't since this is honestly the first time we're talking in person, why don't you share a little bit about who you are and also some of the you know challenges, struggles, epiphanies you've had in your relationship? Sure. Well, thanks for inviting me, uh, Jan. I um you talked about my birthday, so I can start with that. I'm, I'm 52. And um, you mentioned re uh, listening to the, some of your stuff. I've actually listened to all of it. So I've listened to the podcast and I went back to some of your old YouTube videos and I've really um, used your material, your content to help in my, I want to say, basically reprogramming of myself. You know, a lot of what you talk about is it's how we grew up and our culture. And, you know, at 52, I've um, I've received a lot of information. Um from the media, from my religious background, um, about about sex, and um, and how that you know relates to my marriage and things like that. So just to, um, a little bit about me, I, I live in Southern California. Um, I work with um, at-risk youth. Um, grew up um, in the church and still actively involved in the church. So a, a lot of those messages or non-messages I received about sex has, um, I guess, formed who I am, um, you know, in addition to, you know, what you you hear on the playground and you, you see in media, you know, a lot of my growing up, you know, I, I was kind of living in two worlds, um, very interested in, in sex and curious about it, but also knowing that it's taboo. And that really caused a lot of, um, I guess, confusion and and really um, some depression and turmoil. Trying to figure out, you know, how how do I navigate, you know, those two worlds? Oh yeah. So the so on the one hand, you had this curiosity and interest, and on the other, was it the sort of the religious teachings and trying to navigate that? Yeah. Right, right, right. You know, just, you know, being human and, and, and being a young man, you you definitely have sexual desires and, and also receiving the message that it's not something you're really supposed to act on. Um, you know, whether it's sex before marriage or even masturbation. Um, you know, I, I grew up 
um, in a, a two-parent uh, two home up until the age of eight. Um, my parents really didn't talk much about sex. Um, you know, later on um, as a teenager, my, my parents uh, divorced at eight, but you know, later on as a teenager, I realized that my, my father was a um, functional uh, addict. Um, including, you know, alcohol and, and drugs and, and sex addiction as well. So um, I remember when I was, I think I was maybe 16 or 17, the only conversation he had with me about sex was he asked me a question. He said, have you got some yet? And, and you know, growing up in the religious community, that offended me because I knew that that wasn't something that, that's not the way I wanted to look at sex. But that was the message that that he gave me, you know, about about it. You know, you talk a lot about commodities, you know, and and that's that's kind of how it's it sounded like to me. You know, did you did you get something off the shelf or have you acquired this? And that was the only conversation I've ever had with him um, about it. So I'm getting the feeling, and it may be wrong, but that you had some internal sense of what you wanted sex to be or what you wanted physical connection to be, and it wasn't that objectification of women. Would you say that's correct? I, I would. I would say that that's correct. Um, unfortunately, um, I went down a different path, you know, based on, you know, just some of the things that... Um, I involved myself with, I, I, I did discover pornography as a teenager, and that was a, um, a decade, decades of a battle getting a, um, a hold over that, um, you know, through some counseling and, and um, reading and, 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 you know, conversations with, with, with my wife. And, and I really see the, the material that you present is an evolution of that journey. And of course, you know that that those issues cause a lot of um, trauma and difficulty within the relationship, and specifically for for my wife. Yeah, just porn is so available everywhere, and it can be such a trap when you're dealing with those hormones and then lack of mentorship and education. And gosh, um, how did you first? Uh, like learn about porn or find porn? You know, you, you know, I talked about being on the playground. So, you, you know, you have um, guys bring in um, snippets of a, of a magazine or something like that. But I do vividly remember being at an uncle's house and he had a, uh, a stack of magazines. And, and you remember, I remember the, you know, the kind of the physical rush or excitement of seeing those. And it was, I was pre-pubescent but it was something that was kind of burning my brain that, and I don't know if it was because it was taboo and in my um, background that it, it kind of lit something up for me, but that was probably the, the, uh, the memory that I had uh, that was the strongest. And as you know, the internet kind of came on board. It just accelerates, ex accelerates the, uh, you know, the interest. And a big part of porn addiction is also the shame that comes along with it. So that causes a lot of secrecy and then that causes that cycle. Is that something that you experience as well? Extremely, extremely. So the shame involved that leads to depression and, you know, and, and you hear the story so often, you, you know, growing up in a religious community, oh, when I get married, you know, it'll all disappear, yeah. you know, because I'll, I'll have that outlet. 
But, um, you know, what I found is that um, it wasn't, it's not the marriage. It, it was what was going on with me. It was my, um, you know, me growing up and my issues. And those are the things that I, I had to tackle through, you know, through a lot of um, insight and therapy and reading um, to figure out it wasn't what was coming in. It was, it was what was inside of me that I needed to deal with. Um, and which led into even after I had a um, a handle on the pornography, those issues still came up within my marriage mm -hmm. because I saw sex as um, a way to um, validate myself. And if my wife wasn't interested, I didn't feel validated. I didn't feel worthy. Um, and that caused a, um, a number of problems within our relationship. That's it. That's it, Charles. Yeah. How, I want to talk more about that, but first, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's it. That's it. Oh yeah. So, um, so you got married. How old were you when you got married? I was 26. 26. We, we dated for three years. Um, we were abstinent. Uh, she was a virgin. Um, I, I was not. Um, so yeah, I was 26 and she was 23. And had you talked about sex openly together at all? Had you gone to any sort of premarital counseling or read books together? You know, we did. And, and um, most of it was religious based and it, a lot of it surrounded about um, I, my body belongs to her and her body belongs to me. And, and, you know, recently I had to reframe what that really meant. Um, but there was, you know, a sense of what obligation was, you know, of course they talked about the joy and the pleasure, um, but there wasn't a lot of talk about, um, well, what happens when, when one or the other is not interested? Um, it wasn't any talk about obligation that's, that's, well, there was a lot of talk about obligation and that was kind of the message that we both received. Yeah, which, you know, after a while, um, just didn't, you know, didn't work, um, didn't work well, um, especially after, um, you know, the trauma that she experienced. Um, she she just, you know, she wasn't interested. And even probably um, if that didn't happen, you know, there may have been some issues where, you know, in regards to that as well. Yeah. So did the challenges start right off in your relationship or did it take some time? You know, I, I think it started it started right off because I came into the marriage with that template of what I thought sex was based on, you know, pornography and the things that I saw. Um, you know, she didn't have a template because that wasn't something she, she was involved in. Um, so there were there were probably things and and frequency and and um, that I presented to in the marriage that she wasn't comfortable with. Um, you know, I, I think for a long time she she tried to acquiesce and, and tried to be, quote unquote, a good wife. Um, but, you know, pretty early on, um, we saw that there was a difference. I thought it was a different in our drives. But I, I realize now um, a lot of it was fueled by what I thought sex was. And a, a, a lot of it was filled by what I thought sex was within a marriage, um, that it was something that, 
and I, and I hate to say it now, just kind of with the information that, that I know, something that was owed to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense because that what, that's what you're taught um, from culture. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It is your right. Um, so yeah, so so challenges started to happen earlier on, and then when was the turning point? Because you talked about getting counseling and getting support. Yeah. You know, I, the turning point for me. Um, you know, I I, I finally um, met a counselor who. Um, really helped me to believe that, that I really had an issue. Um, you know, I, I was living in two different worlds and, you know, excelling in some, in some things, but he really helped me to understand that it was an issue. And he, he encouraged me to, to um, tell my wife um, what was really going on. And that was the turning point for me when I was able to see the pain that I really caused her. Cause she, she had no idea. She had no idea. So without me being able to see the people that was hurting, um, I was able to go on with my behavior. And when I actually told her what was going on and I saw how devastated she was, um, that was what started my healing process. Um, It was a decade of healing and I'm still healing. We're still healing, but that's, that's where it started. And, and when I talk about, you know, your content being an evolution of that, you know, that's, it's a part of our healing journey now. Now, my wife is not, not a warrior. She's not in your program. So anything that, um, your content that I've, I've uh, presented to her, it's, it's, it was something that I shared with her. Um, I guess it was about six months ago. I, you know, you know, I could tell we were having a, a sexual experience, not, not a, not, you guys call them X X feast. X yeah, exploration dates. But exploration, if I call it, it wasn't an exploration date. We were having a sexual experience. And <laughs> I could tell that she just she was not connected. We weren't connected. And at that point, you know, I told her, I don't want to be with you. I don't want us to be together until we're we're both connected. we we both want to be there. And and you know, she said that sounded right. It w- it went totally against what we grew up with, what we were taught. She, it sounded right. But by my surprise, we weren't together for the next three months. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't expect that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't yeah. expect that. But, you know, part of um, the way that I, I kind of worked through that and got through that was to continue to to listen to your program and, and to, to hear the content and to realize that um, if it was a year, if that's what she needed, that's that's what she needed. And, and my goal was I wanted to be connected with my wife. I just didn't want to have sex with her. I wanted to be connected. And um, so that's kind of where we are now. We're, 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 we're trying to figure it out, this new paradigm of, um, you know, how to connect um, how to, um, you know, be honest with ourselves. Cause I wasn't even honest with myself sometimes, you know, there were times where maybe I wasn't feeling sexual, but I thought I had to be on some type of schedule or, so, you know, it was something wrong with me if, if I wasn't even initiating sex. Mm-hmm. So. Wow. It just takes so much courage to do this. And it's so really cool to listen to it from a man's perspective right now. This is the first time I've 
had this experience. So it's really neat for me to listen to this and to learn from you um, how it is to initiate this type of transformation in a marriage when, I mean, you're not really in the one in control. I mean, there's things that you can do, certainly, but typically I talk to women and and then the women are the ones who are initiating and, and leading and learning about themselves. So this is a whole new area of, of patience and acceptance and compassion that you're going through, which is um, really neat. How did you how did you quit porn? Because I know that that I don't want to harp on the porn thing. I know yeah. people may yeah. be like, why do you keep on going back to this? But for me personally, what I've seen is that if porn is in the picture, what mm-hmm. you're describing is impossible. It's yeah. just the, the brain is not capable of it. Right. Um, you know, again, it, it, it's, it's decades of work that hasn't stopped. Um, you know, I've been to inpatient programs. Um, I've gone to step, uh, 12 step groups. Um, I've had, um, counselors that were certified sex addiction therapists. I've listened to podcasts. Um, you know, I, I talked to my wife about it. So it, it's, it's, you know, the bottom line is I realized that it wasn't even the images that, that I was seeing. It, it was, it was the way that I coped with my, my, my trauma my depression, my anxiety. And, and I've, I've learned that um, I've accepted the fact that I'm a little bit messed up. <laughs> and, and I, and I say that joyfully because the realization of that, it, it, it lets me know that I, I need help mm-hmm. and, and porn isn't the answer, but I have people and resources to go to um, when I need that help. So that's, I guess that's kind of how I quit and how I continue to stay, to stay free is to, to realize that, that I am imperfect and that, um, I need, you know, I just need a lot of assistance in this life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's huge. That's huge to admit our humanness. Yeah. Gary. (laughs) Right. Right. So, you know, although that, you know, I, you know, my wife is not in the program, but, you know, I, I consider myself as a, a, a honorary warrior <laughs> because I, I am learning and I, I can't. One of the things I've also learned is I can't force your program or your ideas on her. No, um, it's it's something that if she's ready um, to do, you know, she'll, she'll do that. So there are a lot of things that that you teach that I would you know be interested in and maybe um, her being involved in, but I can't do that because a, a lot of what you teach is about, you know, the wife um, uh, being in charge of the experience. And, um, you know, I don't have that opportunity right now. So so what I, I try and do is just to to encourage her that this this space is for you. Um, it's, it's not for me. It's not for the marriage. And, um, you know, it goes wherever you want to go. And, and sometimes I I still feel that we may fall into patterns and, and I just have to remind myself and remind her that, um, we don't, it doesn't have to be what it always has to be, what, what it always used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. That cultural pull to, 
check off those boxes and to get it the distance is just so strong i know i mean i've been doing this work for years now and still sometimes i find myself struggling with that so it's just incredible to yeah watch you wrestle with these ideas and and try to create safety for her um it's all really scary i mean if if my husband had come to me and said i've been listening to this podcast and you know, she's got all these great ideas. I would be terrified. Right. You know, I, because what people usually talk about when it comes to sex is, is not what I talk about. And so, yeah, I would feel probably like pushy and pressury and scary and vulnerable. So I just like, you really figured it out that this isn't something you can push on her. Um, and I really thank you for not using my content to do that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I really, I'm really grateful that you're not doing that because, you know, my, my mission is to help women feel more safe and yeah, that's so cool that you've, you've gotten help um, and support, you know, maybe we could circle back now to that comment you made about like using sex as something that made you feel good, uh, like as a man, is that sort of what you were talking about? Definitely, definitely. Um, As a man, but really just as as a human, because, you know, I, I would believe there, there are some women who actually feel that way um, as well, but it, it, it made me feel, um, it made me feel wanted. It made me feel loved. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, even in the past when I knew it wasn't um, a loving relationship, I, I felt as if someone wanted me at the time. So, you know, and that definitely carried on into, into the marriage. Um, I, there were times where, you know, she wasn't interested and I, I took it personally and I took it as if she didn't, she didn't want me. She didn't love me. Yeah. And not the fact that um, maybe she just wasn't in a place to, to be intimate at that time. And where have you come on that journey? Have you found other places to find your own self-worth or maybe find other ways to see that you are wanted in the relationship? Yeah, you know, early on, um, one of the ways that that I really began to explore that was with with my children. Um, and the uncondi- well, they're not children anymore, but the unconditional love that that kids give you. Um, just walking in from work and having, you know, my youngest son give me a hug, you know, and and that showed me that that I was lovable and he and he missed me. And, and, and learning how, learning how my wife showed love, you know, I had to figure out that, you know, there are ways that she showed that she loved me that I just didn't recognize, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, one way, the fact that she endured, um, you know, a lot of what I put her through, um, the trauma that I put her through and the fact that she was still there. Yeah. Um, so just the patience that, that she, that she, um, that she showed. And, and, you know, when I talk about, you know, the absence that we had the, the, the three months, you know, I had to realize that she went for decades in a place where um, she wasn't getting what she needed or she was getting um, the worst of me. And, and if I have to wait a week or two weeks or three months, it's just the drop in the bucket of what, you know, what she actually endured. And also realizing that, accepting the fact that it may never be the way that I imagine it, 
because of some of the actions that I was involved in mm-hmm. and, and, and how, you know, how I perceived what um, our sex life was supposed to look like. What has that been like for you to come to the realization? I know from my husband coming out of the fog of addiction, it was a bit of a gradual process where he started to almost see me for the first time and to start to realize with a little bit of horror what had happened and his part that he played. What was that journey like for you? You know, initially, I, I, I tried to prove my worth. Um, prove the fact that that I was changed um, by, you know, doing things around the house or buying her things or being extra nice. But but I realized that the only proof that I could show her was just consistency. Um, and part of what I experienced was was a lot of guilt and a lot of shame, and and I I had to realize that um, that. I wasn't who I used to be, even though she may not initially recognize that if I were to stay um, free, I couldn't stay in that place. So um, I had to surround myself with, um, you know, things that were good for me. And even, you know, I would feel sometimes that, okay, I'm going to do things for me because I know I need that. But I knew that that may cause her a little trauma because of I'm out of the house or um, I am not being as attentive as as I want to. But I I knew that the greater good was the fact that I had to feed me first. Yeah. Um, if I were to be the husband and father that that I, I wanted to be. Yeah, that's so fascinating because that really mirrors our experience as well with my husband starting to do more, finding himself again and and doing more things that brought him a lot of joy and fulfilled that need. And yeah, same, you know, he's leaving the house. So (laughs) it seems like counterproductive, but I think in the end, like what you've discovered is that it's absolutely necessary to do that because if you're not going to be putting that huge weight on the sexual experience to fulfill all your needs, you need yeah. to fulfill those needs in other different you know, places. Exactly. And that's, yeah. So cool. Wow. And, you know, we, you, we were talking a little bit about, um, you know, I shared some information with my wife and we watched some videos and, and um, some of your content. And, and we've talked a little bit about um, how, in my experience, your content, I, I'm, I'm African-American. I, I can go ahead and say that, but how, how um, I haven't seen that this type of message has filtered in um, as much into the African-American community. And, and, you know, just to be honest, you know, you know, one of the things that she mentioned is that a lot of the messages that, that I presented to her are coming from um, white women. <laughs> and, and it's, it's always good to see, to see yourself and what you're, what you're receiving. And, um, you know, I, I just appreciate our conversation with you that that's, that's something that um, you have a desire to do is to, to get the message out to just people everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, that was one of our conversations that I just so cherished because it's been such a desire of mine. And I also recognize that I come from a different culture and a different lived experience. And like I shared with you, I don't know if I'm the right person 
to be teaching this, you know, um, to the black community, because again, like your wife said, you want to see someone who looks like you, who's gone through things similar to you. So yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, and just a shout out to an Instagram channel that Charles told me about called black love. I have been loving it. (laughs) So good. And they have an app as well. Have you checked out the app? I have. Yeah. It's, you know, it's actually something that, um, you know, we watch a lot of videos about marriage and, and couples and things. So it's something that we watch uh, consistently, um, that app and, and, you know, other, other individuals. Um, so I, I, I appreciate that app again, the, this message hasn't filtered into that app or, or, or those, those messages, but, but I'm hoping that, you know, just the fact that, um, maybe I'm, I'm on here and somebody who is, who is African-American or black, or any any other um, nationality um, begins to be courageous enough, you know, to kind of share the message, um, and and that things start to kind of filter, you know, throughout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's sort of what I've seen. My role is, you know, part part of the reason why I invited you here, you know, is to share that message. I, I didn't know if you were going to or not. I wanted to leave that up to you, but also for me to elevate other voices who maybe are, you know, for me to find those voices and for me to share them more and to bring different perspectives. Yeah. Cause my communities are white, 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 <laughs> just, you know, and it's way more complex than just slapping a couple of um, diverse in quotes uh, photos yeah. on my website, you know, because that's not true because then a person could come into my community and be like, wow, I do not feel like I belong here. Right. And that's a real legitimate, you know, experience, which would affect their experience to the course. So it's something I'm just continuing to learn about trying not to get panicky about, you know, yeah. and just notice my own feelings and all the white fragility and all that stuff that comes along with this journey. So, yeah. And, and just know um, to encourage you that the message does um, reach otherwise I, I wouldn't be interested in it. So it's mm-hmm. a universal message that, that I think um, everybody needs to to hear. And, and I was listening to something that you said, um, uh, I think maybe your second or third podcast where you, you said it may take a generation or two. It may yeah. take a generation or two. Yeah. Yeah, that that's what gives me hope. Because for me, the way I see your journey and my journey, it's going to be the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I think it's going to be a, a weekly a daily thing that we work on to create safety in our relationships to um, <clears throat> challenge um, prejudice, you know, all these things that we we are tasked to do with in our generation. I think our our parents' generation, they were a bit blissfully ignorant, or I don't know what was going on there. I mean, for the white folks anyways, but Mm -hmm. for the black community, I mean, it was probably just survival, survival, survival. And then it's up to our generation to do the work, to get the counseling, to get the support, to question, to wonder. Um, Okay. I was taught these religious beliefs. Are they true? Yeah. Actually, let's segue into that. What what has been your journey with that? Um, learning about and questioning and wondering about you, what you were taught as a kid. Right. Um, you know, I I, I think the two beliefs for me can co- coexist. Um, you know, you know, I was talking to my 
my wife the other day about about the the saying about your body belongs to me and and your and my body belongs to you and 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 what i think resonates with us is her body belongs to her but she has the the right or she has the um privilege if she wants to let me experience that then that's when i can experience that Mm-hmm. And the same with my body. It, it belongs to me. But in, in the marital relationship, we, we, um, it, when we're comfortable and we're safe to give that gift to one another, um, that's when we, we can do it. So that's kind of how I, I've, um, I've allowed it to, to fit. And again, I, I'm still figuring a lot of this out. Um, but for, for me, that one um, that one scripture, that's, that's how it speaks to me. Um, so, yeah. you know, and, and there's a scripture that talks about, you know, a husband's sacrifice and, and, um, a husband, um, lying down his life for his wife. I never really thought, well, part of that lying down may be my, my sexual drive or urge. If she's not interested, I need to lay that down. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and find ways to fulfill myself in other ways. So there's a lot of things that I'm, that I'm figuring out that, um, to that, uh, to kind of rewire what I was taught. Yeah. That's really beautiful. And it's, it's a challenge. I've had to do that with my own religious teachings as well, and just see things that have been taught to me from one perspective and then go, okay, like, can I look at this from a diff- another perspective? And that feels scary. I don't know for you, but challenging religious teachings, because it's connected to our eternal life and all this stuff, you know, it's a big deal. That's why religious trauma yeah. can be some of the hardest to heal from. I, I think the scariest part is, is feeling that you may be ostracized by your community. Um, because oftentimes when you start to say or, th- or think things that um, the norm or the community doesn't think, um, they look at you a little strange, but I think deep down inside, um, it resonates. You know, I had an opportunity to, um, I, 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 uh, posted one of your, your videos or I, I, um, shared it and, and someone, uh, who's African-American, a, a young lady said, is that really true? You know, yeah. you could see the, the things going on in her head, like, because she was experiencing that in, in her in her marriage. And, and um, you know, all I could do was share my experience. Definitely didn't want to tell her this is what you need to do with your husband or anything like that. Um, but, you know, you, you, you can come into, um, you know, a community where people just to start to kind of say, well, that is not what we were taught. And it's up to them to kind of really figure it out, you know, for themselves and see if it resonates with who they are. Yeah, I get to watch this process quite a bit within the wanting a more process because I get to spend more time with folks. And um, yeah, especially people who have come from a more conservative background, some of what I teach, it feels like they it feels right in their body. Yeah. But then there's these fears and doubts and and it's scary. Um, you know, when I talk about 100% safety, that sounds good in your body. Yeah. And it also intellectually is like, yeah, of course, everyone gets to feel safe all the time. What do you mean? But then in practice, when you're actually saying, you know, when you touch my body this way, I don't feel safe. Yeah. That's when really the conversations start happening about, is this fair? 
Should we meet halfway? Shouldn't we be yeah. negotiating here? Right, right, right. You know, I, I remember, I think you had a guest where a guest talked about her husband would come from behind her and touch her and how she would, um, she would react or she would have that, that, that um, kind of jump. And, and I realized that my wife did that sometimes. And initially it, it hurt me that, um, that my touch would make her, would startle her. Um, but, you know, again, I, you know, I had to kind of think about maybe everything that she's gone through um, or just the fact that maybe she was just tense or anxious that day. And it did not necessarily have a, um, it didn't say anything about me. So, so, you know, one of the things I started to do is I, I, I asked, can I kiss you? You know, or, or can I touch your back? It, it, it's initially, it seems weird, but you know, most times she says yes. <laughs> so, you know, just being able to, to, you know, get those permissions and, and let her feel safe that, you know, whatever surrounds her or who she is, it's hers to give. It's not mine to take. And it's, and it's not something that she has to give to me. Yeah, it's just fascinating how we allow preferences in all other areas of life, like the type of clothes we wear or the type of food we eat. And it's really not a big deal. But when it's connected to touch, somehow we equate that with how the person feels about us. Yeah. And yeah, if you loved me, then you would enjoy all touch from me all the time, right. which when you really think about it, doesn't make sense because we're human mm -hmm. beings and things fluctuate and um, yeah, sensitivities are different at different times of the day. And like you mentioned, emotion and yeah, that's really cool to hear how you're navigating that together and how you're um, changing your language with her and making it a lot more consent-based and yeah. 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 So good. You mentioned that you work with youth at risk. Has this mm -hmm. shape, this epiphany and learning changed at all how you work with youth? That's interesting. Um, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily changed how I, how I work with youth. It's it's changed how I interact with my two sons for sure. Um, I have a twenty one year old and a seventeen year old, and um, just knowing that they live in a world that I lived in, probably on steroids. Um, it really has caused me to try and really play catch up to um, teach them how how they should interact with with women in their lives um, or women that will come into their lives. So I'm really conscious on that. Um, I, I haven't really figured out how to integrate that into our conversations about um, Marvel movies or sci-fi or anything like that. But that that's something that's that is really kind of heavy on me right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful generational change that is going to be possible. We're not going to get it right. You and I with our teens and mm -hmm. your, your young adults. Um, but maybe they'll do, we'll do a little better. They'll do a little better. Um, but we're competing with the world, Charles, like yeah. things are going, I mean, things are improving in some areas, but things are just, crashing and burning and others and the porn industry is just like rampant right now and yeah it's tricky i mean yeah. you grew up without high-speed internet when you were young and right you know these 
these it's boys on their phones yeah it's everywhere yeah. yeah so yeah well here we are just trying to do our best hey <laughs> Pick one step do, do, time. doing our part <laughs> doing our part first with ourselves exactly yeah i'll often get questions from parents who say like jana can you do a course for kids or how do i talk to my kids about sex and i'm always saying heal yourself first do the work yourself and it will ripple out and there will you'll be approaching these conversations with way less shame and way more confidence and a curiosity that they need. They don't need us to, you know, wag our fingers at them and that's bad and this is good. No, like we have to approach this with what are you learning? How does it feel in your body? What do you think about this? What are you observing? What do you want? Right. And and as they see us interact with with our spouses, that is my hope. And, you know, maybe even the change of the way that I, I treat their mom, they begin to kind of pick these things up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing this conversation with me. It's been really delightful, enlightening. Um, maybe we can come back, I don't know, in a year or so and see how things are going. <laughs> Where's <Yes>. Charles now? <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right. All right. Take care. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this episode, I have a favor to ask of you. It's really hard to get the word out about a podcast about sex. What would really, really help is if you would leave a rating and a review. And I know that you get asked this all the time in different podcasts, but please, I beg you, it would really, really help so that more women who need this message will hear it. All you have to do is go into your Apple podcast app. It's the purple icon. And if you go to the podcast page where it shows my face, and has a little button that says latest episodes. If you scroll down past the episodes and you get to a section called ratings and reviews, there's a little purple writing thing that says write a review. If you click on that, it will ask you to give it a five stars. Actually, you can put any stars, but five is what I would love. And put a title and then write your review. Thank you so much for supporting this little venture here and I really am so grateful. If you are curious about wanting it more and how this program could help you want and enjoy sex more with your husband and you feel like it may be a great next step for you, you can go to janadentonhouse.com slash wanting it more to sign up for the waitlist, to learn more, to see when we're running our next round. All right, that's it. I'll see you next one.